0: Hello, I'm Emma Louise Coffey, and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights, and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. On this week's episode, grassland researcher Tomas Tubret gives a step by step guide to the receding process to maximise the sward's productive life, including receding methods, new cultivar selection traits, and post receding management.
1: What we would recommend is that farmers should be targeting about 10% of their farm area to recede per year. And the rationale for that, Emma and Louise, is um by doing it that way, you're receding, say, your paddocks on your farm once in every 10 years. And um That's even if your swords are lasting longer than ten years, which they will under good management. You still might be losing out on genetic gain if you have older cultivars on your farm. So by reseeding one in every ten years, you're kind of maximising the genetics of the grass on your farm. Um, And also, you might see or I've definitely seen it on farms uh, this year. But the spring response um, of reseeded paddocks uh, is quite high. So if you if you reseeded last um, May or June you'll definitely see a response from it the following spring compared to more existing patterns on your farm. So I do think it's very important to uh, have a routine of reseeding once uh, or 10% per year.
0: Talk through the selection criteria. So, you know, how are farmers uh, to make that decision as to what exact paddocks or what exact area they're targeting to reseed this year?
1: What we would hope is happening on farms is that farmers are walking their farm regularly. And what this allows farmers to do is to produce their annual tonnage report on pasture base. And then that's a very quick way of looking at the graph and seeing which are the lowest producing paddocks on your farm. So like we'd be expecting, um, say, the average farm, the top uh, paddocks on his farm may be producing 12 to 14 tons of dry matter per hectare. But some lower ones could be producing lower than 10. And it's these fields that are producing less than 10 tonnes of dry matter or maybe just the lowest performing ones on the farm that need to be investigated and likely need to be um, need to be uh, the criteria paddocks for reseeding. Um, if you're not doing your farm walks, you you perhaps might have an indication of how long your rotation lengths are so your best performing paddocks you find that you're getting back into those paddocks every three weeks every 21 days while there's some paddocks on your farm that it might take maybe 25 days to get to your uh target pre-grazing height and that's another indication that these fields are less productive they likely have a lower um level of perennial ryegrass plants within this ward and that's causing this um Lower performance from those paddocks, and they're the ones that you need to be targeting with reseeding.
0: And if we consider then the methods, and and, and let's talk through the process of uh, reseeding. The like, can you give us an indication of the most popular methods? um from an Irish context and like you know maybe what is optimum on a dairy farm you know with a higher stocking rate silage ground is out um you you want to reseed you know you want a fast turnaround time and you also want to retain that top layer of nutrients that you're applying um to your ground mhm
1: yeah so taking all those points into account em louise um what we found uh from Chagas research is that the method of reseeding does not tend to affect the establishment of the of the new grass uh, seed, grass reseed, and it won't affect subsequent performance in future years. Um, and like you said, we are looking for a turnaround of about six weeks from the time you cultivate that soil to getting your first grazing on the paddock. Um, I'd say the most reliable and probably the most popular uh, method of reseeding is ploughing. But um, farmers really need to take care that, um, you know, it's a shallow job done with ploughing because, like you said, you don't want to be burying all this fertile soil that's in the top portion of the paddock. Um, that would probably be closely followed by a minimum tillage, and it's probably the gap between farmers choosing the plough and choosing the mint till is probably closing, um, I suppose, seeing as we found no difference in the effectiveness of both methods it's really down to farmer preference so if you take the advantages of plowing like I said it's probably more um, repeatable or more reliable method of reseeding but you have the disadvantages then that you're turning over probably more soil and also you're likely to bring up more stones into these paddocks and that's going to require more labour to remove them. If you take the minimum tillage um, method of reseeding what you're likely going to be left with is more trash on the surface and this trash is it's dead grass. So it's, it's, um, it will rot away over time, but you find that it maybe affects the establishment of the new seedling grasses a bit more. And this dead grass is rotting away and it's producing acids. So it's very important that if you are going to min till it's important to apply at least two ton of lime to neutralize this, these uh, decaying acids and to help the, um, to help the seedlings to grow. Also at minimum tillage, we're likely to probably have an increased weed burden because the weeds aren't being buried as effectively as they would be with plowing, but a good um, herbicide regime after sowing should be enough to um, control these weeds and to fix that problem. Um, Our other methods are stitching in, which can work on farms probably the place I'd see them work best is maybe if you reseeded recently, the sward is just a bit open and you're just wanting to, um, you know, add more perennial ryegrass to fill in that open space. In like existing swards that are already quite dense and you just want to refresh with new grass, they're likely not to work as effectively because these new seedling grasses are going to be crowded out by the dense sward that's already there. So in if you have kind of established grassland and you're thinking of reseeding a better option is a full reseed as opposed to a stitching in job
0: and to go to pick up on a few points there and you mentioned weeds and um essentially the you know where you're doing minimum tillage you you may have a, a stronger weed burden um I suppose if if we consider um you know we're going out in the morning to um recede a paddock um you know there there are weeds within the swards you know when are we tackling the weed control there and and trying to eliminate weeds from the paddock is it before is it during the process or is it after the process of receding what would you recommend it's
1: it's all the above there Louise. because your first step is to apply your roundup or your glyphosate and that needs to be applied a minimum of 10 days. And we would recommend 14 days before you actually go in and cultivate the soil. So you need to be planning. And your, the Roundup needs that long to act in the plant because it'll go onto the leaves. of so dock is probably your most problem weed. It'll um, be applied to the dock, but it, uh, in order for the Roundup to actually work into the large tap root of that dock, it really does need the two weeks to, um, to kill that root. Because if you're anywhere earlier with uh, doing your cultivation, you're left with this um, the taproot of the dock, which can then reseed, um, re-seed after the sowing event. And then that's going to be a lot harder to kill than your little seedling docks that are emerging from seeds that are already present in the seed bank. So I suppose these seedling docks that I'm talking about, these are the ones that you're after disturbing the soil, which is after... Um, you know, moving the soil around these seeds. And that's what causes these dock seeds to germinate. But um, these docks have a very, very shallow root system. And therefore, when you go in with your post-emergent spray, um, uh, now the timing of the post-emergent spray can be quite variable, I find. Um, but when you do tackle that with the um, with your seedling docks and seedling thistles and stuff like that, you're, you're bound to get a kill on that compared to uh, your established Dock that's regrowing from taproot that's what the roundup is tackling that established dock, whereas your post-emergence herbicide is going to tackle these seedling docks. and for the timing for the um say the post-emergence herbicide um, really what you need to be looking at is so the recommendations are going to be you want to be applying that maybe four to eight weeks somewhere around there before um so you're letting the seedling docks come up they're going to be about the size of a two-year-old kind And then you're going to spray them then, and then you're going to, uh, that should hopefully kill it. And then you're going to start your um, pre-grazing management of these wards. But I've seen it on farms, and it's happened to me myself, where maybe the spray goes a bit late and growth rates are very high. And there's a withdrawal date on applying the spray when you can graze it. And for some of these products, it's as long as two weeks. And in that two weeks, there's a massive amount of growth, and then you're not actually grazing these new reseeds at the target pre-grazing yield of 800, you're probably gone more likely to maybe 1200 or 1400 and it's a bit higher than we'd be recommending. So if growth rates are high, you probably need to get in earlier with your um, post-emergence herbicide. If growth rates are, are that bit slower, you're probably looking at five to six weeks would be the optimum time to be spraying these, um, these weeds that are coming up with the new grass.
0: And and I guess another point that you made was, you know, d- um, with the minimum till, the, the lime would be very important. But can you step us through the fertilizer protocol that you would recommend uh, with the reseed?
1: Yeah, as I said earlier, if you're min- minimum tillage, you're already going to be spreading lime on the field as best management. And that's to neutralize the acids that are being produced on the minimum tillage. So hopefully if you are going to be doing a reseeding job, you're already after taking your um, soil sample from that field. And ideally that soil sample has been taken in the close period. So back in autumn or uh, winter of last year. And this is going to obviously tell you your pH, your P index and your K index. So if the soil test is recommending you need to apply lime to increase the pH of the soil, reseeding is an optimum time to apply this, um, this lime to the field. Uh, like I said, a minimum of two tonne if you minimum tillage ground. And uh, that will be up to a maximum of um, three tonnes of lime at reseeding. And if the soil does require more, um, if it requires more lime as per your soil test recommendations, that can be applied then later on in the season around September time. So th- that's your lime requirement, a maximum of three tonne. Um, of lime to be applied to uh, fields that need it, that need lime. With regards to your P and K in, indexes, so as a first thing, the, these new growing seedlings are going to require uh, 30 units of nitrogen uh, at reseeding, and that's to promote the growth of the seedlings. And if you take, if your soils are at index three for P and index three for K, they're going to require Uh, 30 units of P and we're going to require a minimum of 50 units of K to stimulate growth in those crops. As you go down the indexes there so if you have a soil P index of 2 you're going to have to apply an extra 15 units so that's 45 units of P on index 2 soils and for an index 1 soil you're going to be applying another 15 so that's or another 10 so that's um, 50 units of P to be applied And for the K indexes, a K index of two will require um, 65 units of K and a K index of one is going to require 80 units. And also, it's probably good to note that if you are planning on reseeding fields and you're going to be reseeding fields that are already index ones for both P and K, it might be a good idea to not reseed those fields this year. But rather to invest money in increasing the indexes of those fields now in anticipation for um, reseeding in the following year because um, perennial ryegrass, new perennial ryegrass seedlings that you uh, grow in your paddocks, they are very nutrient hungry and if they're not, if they're getting reduced amounts of P and K, they're likely going to die and be replaced by weeds and weed grasses. So it might be a priority on farms to actually do their nutrient management program first and getting their uh, soil indices into the right place before they target, um, a reseeding job on those paddocks
0: uh, Yeah and as you say it, it may be a two year process um, on some farms and, and this probably is a really good time to pull out those soil fertility results from the you know the kind of winter period and analyse where the paddocks are at in conjunction with the the um, I guess the measurements from pasture base looking then to um, the cultivars or the mixes um, that farmers will select um, for receding you know you mentioned the genetics of um, the new seeds that are becoming available and I guess it's, it's it's very much like you know like we're talking about the EBI it, it's a very similar concept but I, I guess um what traits are people targeting for grass-based systems from what you can see to most
1: as most of your listeners will know the place the grass um the grass variety selection tool that is recommended by chagas and the department and the wider seed industry is the Pasture profit index so this is um created every year from data from the department recommended list trials from trials here in chagas moore park and um Very similar to the EBI, it ranks the varieties across a number of traits. Uh, Higher performance in a trait gives you a higher economic value, and that's how you're going to select the varieties. So the traits, probably for dairy farmers, um, the traits that you're selecting on is really going to depend on the intended paddock use over the next few years. So obviously, a large proportion of dairy farms is going to be um, on your grazing platform. And the traits that farmers need to be selecting for um, for those um, fields is going to be spring herbage growth, because spring herbage growth is when we really need the grass in the system. There's plenty full of grass in summer, but when we need grass in the system, it's um, adv- advantageous to have good spring growth in your cultivars. And also you want to be looking at uh, the quality sub-index and new to the PPI this year is the Chagas grazing utilization trait. And... Um, This has been the basis of my PhD for the past number of years where um, we've evaluated plots in grazing plots here in Moor Park. The cows come in and graze them on um, 21 day rotations and we're assessing how well they're grazed by the animals because we know increased utilization of grass is going to increase net profit. So um, we want our dairy farmers want varieties that are going to be well grazed by cows and they don't have to go in and top them, which is another labor saving and stuff like that. So those are the three main traits the farmers should be targeting on their grazing platforms. There also might be some farmers who have out farms and are planning on getting two or three uh, proper cuts of silage off those fields. And then um, what the farmers should be focusing on for those um, intended paddocks is to be following the silage sub-index within the um, pasture profit index. That's taken from the department recommended list trials that they run a proper silage a silage protocol where you know the fields or the plots are closed for six weeks then they're taking their first cut they're closed for another five to six weeks and they get a second cut so you're getting a really good accurate indication of what varieties are suitable for um, silage systems and then lastly there might be some farmers who are using them probably more in a general purpose type system where they expect to get maybe one or two um, silage cuts often but also want to get some indication of good grazing in these swaths as well, particularly maybe for heifers on the farm and that. And the main traits to follow for um, those type of paddocks will be your silage subindex and also your uh, grazing utilization subindex. They're the key traits to be selecting on for those type of paddocks.
0: And talk us through um, your recommendation on, um, you know, you've given us an indication of the traits that we should look at, but um, looking at one cultivar as opposed to looking at a mix, you know, what what would be best there and and what would be the difference?
1: So Chagas have been running this um, on-farm monoculture trial for the past uh, seven or eight years. It's um, a simple trial where we are sowing just single varieties in paddocks on farms all across Ireland. There's over 100 farms involved in this trial, and the farmer is then managing that paddock as he does any other paddocks on his farm. And we're uh, gaining data off that from um, uh, pasture-based Ireland. And the feedback that we're getting back from farmers is that they're more than happy to sow monocultures of varieties in their swards. That they see no difference between sowing a mixture that they've selected to be high performing in the traits that they want and between one single monoculture that performs equally as well in all those desired traits. So if if you can find a variety on the PPI list that is performing well in the two or three main traits that you want in that um, field, well then I would um, strongly recommend selecting monocultures for that reason. Perhaps the only disadvantage to sowing monocultures is maybe seed availability, particularly for newer varieties might be a bit less so it might be hard to actually get enough grass seed to sow as a monoculture, but um, if that option is there for you, um, I would recommend it alright. And when it comes to variety selection for mixtures, it can get quite complicated and I think it's probably needlessly or has been in the past when we haven't had the data but if we take heading dates, the heading dates between varieties have they've been getting narrower and narrower for the past twenty years. Like the range uh, now in the list is ranging from about maybe the twenty-fourth of May until the eleventh of June. Where in the past that could have been going up to maybe the sixteenth or twentieth of June. So the range is getting smaller. And in plot work I've done here in Moor Park for the last two or three years, we've sowed mixtures of perennial ryegrass varieties with wide heading dates and with narrow heading dates. And we found that in a rotational grazing system, grazed every 21 days, um, there was no difference between the variety performance. So um, particularly if you are going to be putting on your grazing pattern and going to be getting the grazings often, I don't see uh, this large effect of heading date having as much of an influence on paddock performance. When we get to silage quality, it probably still is wise to keep your heading date as um, narrow as possible as, if the varieties, including your silage mix, are heading at different dates, they're going to be losing quality at different rates. And um, it's probably more uh, preferable just to have them at around a similar date um, for silage harvesting and stuff like that.
0: And Tomás, then looking to clover, and that's something that you know a lot of farmers now are including or thinking of including in the mix you know what type of clover are you looking at selecting for uh, grazing swards on the milking platform
1: clover it's becoming i suppose more recognized as an important aspect of it has an important role to play within grazing swards in ireland it can lead to lower levels of nitrogen being applied and can also lead to higher levels of performance uh, on perennial ryegrass swards so um we are definitely recommending, especially on grazing um swords, that the inclusion of clover be um you know included into your reseeding mix. What we're recommending the types of clover to sow are generally your small to medium leave size clovers. Um, so we know the advantages of these. They're compared to the large ones, they're not as likely to take over the swords as much, and um, they'll still fix the nitrogen that you need and also give you a yield and animal performance advantage as well. They'd be the ones I'd be recommending for um, grassland swords.
0: And looking then to grazing management of a new reseed, and you mentioned previously that, you know, you're targeting that first grazing at a cover of 800 kilos dry matter per hectare. Um, Can can you take us through the first two or three grazings and how exactly you're managing that? Like to some people, you know, I think in the past we liked to see a lot of grass in a reseed before you would let cows in. But obviously the the mindset has changed slightly on that.
1: Yeah, so if we take, we're after doing our re- reseeding job and um it's been rolled and now we're starting to see the seedlings come up, the field will look quite angish for a long while and depending on um depending on growth conditions, that's going to dictate when you're going back in to graze it. What you found for the last few years is in 2018, we had the drought in June and the reseeds were looking quite miserable around uh, those times and then last year we also found even if people went that bit earlier in May we also got a drought and some reed seeds seemed to struggle but um, if you do get you know good good to reasonable growth conditions and um, you're expecting to be back in those uh, paddocks within six weeks and uh, over those six weeks we we're expecting a cover of about 800 to be on uh, those paddocks And I suppose the reason we want to be grazing these at a lower cover than what we were grazing the other paddocks on the farm is that we're trying to um, encourage tillering of the plant and by getting in and grazing them and not grazing them down to the butt, but it's just literally getting your cows to run over it and, you know, just give it a bit of a clipping and that's going to encourage the fields to tiller. I suppose in the past also, it might have been suggested to um, use your calves or stuff like that to graze the to graze these reseeds, but what i see is i think getting a large number of cows to graze them not graze it too tightly but give it a bit of a clipping they can get over the field in a far shorter length of time so the cows are only in for one grazing and then you can take them off again and then then the field can just start regrowing again and you're kind of left with a more even uh, regrowth on those fields as opposed to this prolonged grazing and then prolonged regrowth um and then like i was saying as well um if we are planning to graze at 800, we need to be proactive in the time we're spraying. Um, So, like I said, some products, I know the Cortiva products are, they have a seven-day withdrawal, which is probably more easier to manage, but there is some products that they require a 14-day interval between spraying the field and between grazing it. And we all know how much grass can grow, say, in May um, over two weeks. So it is about being um, on keeping an eye on the paddock and kind of making the decision early that I'm going to spray it now and then I'll be able to graze it and you could also say that it's probably better to get your spray on and get it grazed right because if more weeds come up afterwards it can always be sprayed again and um, so that is um probably the recommendations that we'd be given make sure that you're grazing it at 800 and working your spray protocol around your grazing date rather than working your grazing date around when you spray it. Uh,
0: Thank you, Tomás. I think we've gotten um, a good refresher um, in terms of what is best practice and the options across best practice that we can implement from our own situation. I think, you know, from listening to you, we're starting with the basics of, you know, selecting those lower producing paddocks, checking out the soil fertility, and then putting a plan in place in terms of the method we're going to use and uh, the varieties we're going to select and putting that fertilizer plan and grazing plan in place uh, for the reseed. Thank you, Tomás. Thanks very so much. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Tomás Tobrick for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify and for more information go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.